Hey gang, Tom Mullen here. Do you have a child who spends more time than you'd like in front of screens consuming low quality content? Well, you can turn that screen time into something fun and worthwhile. I'm talking about mini coders, an educational game-based platform including companion apps made for kids with video tutorials, virtual assistant, and games where kids learn coding skills while they play in the Roblox metaverse, all under the safety and guidance of a virtual assistant and in-game tutors. MiniCoders is perfect for homeschooled, unschooled, or traditionally schooled children alike and helps them build 21st century skills and have a ball doing so. Right now, you can try out MiniCoders with no obligation by registering for a free trial at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders. That's M-I-N-I-C-O-D-E-R-S. Again, just visit TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders and start your free trial today. Every revolution starts in the minds of the people. Arm yourself for the war of ideas. Take back your life. Take back your liberty. Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Today, I want to talk about two cases that, of course, have received a lot of press and inspired a lot of emotion, and that is the Kyle Rittenhouse and Ahmed Arbery cases, both cases where people were tried for murder, and both cases which somewhat beg the question, do they represent what protection of property would look like in a stateless society? So on the one hand, we have Kyle Rittenhouse, who goes to Kenosha, Wisconsin, from a nearby suburb where he lived. The media, of course, made a very big deal that he had crossed state lines, as if that was something significant when we now know it wasn't. The town that he lived in was a bedroom community of Kenosha. But in any case, he goes into Kenosha during what some people call the peaceful protests and other people call a riot with the intent to provide armed security for a car dealership that was in a vulnerable position and could have suffered property damage, burglary, theft, possibly even violence against the owners or employees. So immediately a private person fulfilling that role raises the the ire of the status because we have the police for that. Don't you realize, young man? And, and of course, he was 17 years old, which is another factor to consider in the case. And on the other hand, we have the Michaels, uh, the father and son, Gregory and Travis Michaels, along with their accomplice, William Roddy Bryan, who was the man in the truck that was capturing video of the incident in the Ahmed Arbery case. They are attempting to make what they called a citizen's arrest of a man they say that they suspected may have committed some burglaries. So again, the same reaction from most of the media, which is they're quote-unquote taking the law into their own hands. Now, there is a law on the books in Georgia that provides for a citizen's arrest. Uh, it doesn't look like they met all of the requirements to make the arrest, but whether the jury was right or wrong is kind of immaterial to our subject today, which is, is this what we would expect if there was no government around to write these rules and enforce the law professionally? And <laughs> we can talk about how well they do that as well. 
wouldn't we have a Kyle Rittenhouse out there shooting people all the time, justified or not, and this kind of chaos that people would like to think that we would endure without government, not to mention absolutely no roads anywhere? And the answer is yes and no in terms of whether this would represent a stateless society. But before we get into the yes and the no on that answer, I'd like to just clear up one thing that was you know, part of the hype around the Kyle Rittenhouse case, and that was the characterization of what he did as quote-unquote vigilante justice. I mean, isn't this also something we'd have without the government, vigilante justice. And I mean, that immediately evokes Western movies where somebody's accused of something and being held in the local jail by the noble sheriff that's <laughs> defending the defendant against the mob and they break in and run him out to a tree somewhere and hang him without a trial. Of course, nothing like that happened with Kyle Rittenhouse. And in no way did his actions at all even meet the definition of a vigilante. And I'm using the status definition because Rittenhouse did not attempt to go and prosecute or arrest anybody for a crime that occurred in the past. He simply went to provide security at a car dealership I mean, unless we're about to start calling the elderly security guard at the mall a vigilante, then, of course, there was nothing that Rittenhouse did that would qualify him as a vigilante. The key distinction between a vigilante and a security guard is that a vigilante is attempting to address crimes that occurred in the past, crimes that are already over with and now need to be prosecuted. It really isn't the job of the policeman to prevent crimes in the future. I know that there's a lot of commentary on right-wing media saying that the defund the police movement has resulted in higher crime rates. I don't really buy that. I don't think that the police prevent a lot of crimes. And, and I don't even mean that as a criticism of the police. It's really not their job. The policeman's job is to go out and get somebody who's committed a crime in the past and bring that person in to face a trial. Now, in the prosecution of crimes, there, there are instances where people self-surrender to the police. So really, the policeman is only necessary for people who refuse to come in and address criminal charges made against them. So Really, what Rittenhouse was doing had nothing to do with that. He was providing security the same way that any private security agency would do so. So the characterization of him as a vigilante is completely inappropriate. Now, the circumstances are, of course, completely different for the killers of Ahmad Arbery. They were indeed doing the job of a policeman in that they were attempting to make an arrest of a man that they said they suspected of committing crimes in the past. So if you're going to apply this vigilante term, then it would be much more appropriate to apply it to Gregory and Travis Michaels. And again, I, I can't emphasize enough that actually this is something for which Georgia law provides uh, that citizens can, in fact, make an arrest. Uh, there are certain circumstances that have to be satisfied in order for uh, somebody to do that. And again, I don't know exactly whether the actions of the defendants 
met all the requirements that the law provides there. But, you know, again, that's not something we'd be concerned with necessarily in a stateless society. So let me address first the Rittenhouse case and whether or not this is something we might expect without a government. So Rittenhouse is 17 years old. That's the first concern is that why do we have a relatively young person providing this kind of armed defense against adult criminals? Isn't this a perfect example of why we need a government to make sure that it's only trained professional adults that come and address this kind of situation? And of course, on its face, there's a problem right there, which is all this happened while we have several layers of government And uh, nothing that Kyle Rittenhouse did was determined to be illegal. So it's not like this is something that happened in Somalia (laughs) during that brief period when they had no government and by every objective measure they were doing much better than they had before. No, this happened in a society that had a municipal government, a state government, a federal government, And who knows what else, village, town, (laughs) uh, plenty of government, plenty of regulations, and plenty of people to enforce them. And then, of course, you know, the, the response to that might be, well, we'd see a lot more of this if there were no government around. And I don't think that's true either. These were not normal circumstances of everyday life. The protester riots, depending on whose side you're on, We're not the typical environment that Kenosha, Wisconsin, was was used to. Um, So this was these were extraordinary circumstances, and I should also say that Kyle Rittenhouse does not appear to be anything like a typical seventeen-year-old. I understand that he had had some police cadet training. I'm not exactly sure the details of that, but he had seemed to display a level of restraint and control over his actions that I'd be surprised if many professionals could exhibit in the, in the same circumstances. And let's not forget what those circumstances were, which was he was not only defending himself from attack, but he was doing so during a riot where the police were not responding even after crimes were committed. So I don't think it's true to say that this was a typical situation or a typical 17-year-old, and I, I don't think you can conclude from this incident that this would be something you could expect routinely in a stateless society. Okay, everyone, let's take a quick break for this important message. It's that time of the year again when we're all looking for something special to give friends and loved ones for the holidays. Unfortunately, the government and its bank have worked especially hard this year at doing what they do best, make things more expensive for the rest of us. Well, I have great news. You can get a free copy of my new ebook, An Anti-State Christmas. That's my gift to you in appreciation for listening. But that's not all. I've also made the book available as a paperback at an incredibly low price, so you can get a few copies to give as gifts. It makes a great stocking stuffer. And don't worry, this is not some preachy libertarian treatise. It's full of fun and even includes a special Christmas beverage recipe. Get more information and your free ebook at antistatechristmas.com. We help each other when we don't mean to. That's what we call the invisible. 
invisible hand Something no politician understand Just leave it up to supply and demand And follow the goal Neither do I think the Ahmad Arbery case represents anything we would expect in a stateless society for a couple of reasons. There's one reason why uh, it does represent what would happen in a stateless society, and I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. But these were private individuals who took it upon themselves to make an arrest of somebody that they say they suspected of committing crimes in the past. No one asked them to do this. The owner of the property that Arbery is said to have at best trespassed upon. This was a, a home that was under construction, so it wasn't occupied yet. It wasn't finished being built. I assume there was there were no door to go through. He just kind of walked up and looked at the construction site, or or maybe he entered what would later be, you know, the the inside of the house, but which was just a, a house being built. So the key thing here is there was no contract between the Michaels and the owner of this house under construction. So in a stateless society, this would not be something that would be expected to happen. Yes, security might be provided by hired individuals or by the homeowner himself or by a professional firm, but there would be an agreement first by the homeowner that these people should go and and help him retrieve his property or be made whole after a burglary. And that, that never happened. Now, could individuals in a stateless society do what these men did? Sure. And just as in this case, the defendants were held accountable for either having the wrong man or trying to arrest somebody for crimes that were never committed in the first place, so too in a stateless society would there be accountability for the individuals or firms tasked with security. And this is the chief complaint that anarcho-capitalists have against the state. There's no accountability when they have the wrong person, even if it's discovered that they've put somebody on death row uh, or, or executed somebody who turned out to be innocent, nobody gets fired, nobody gets fined, much less gets prosecuted. There are usually no consequences at all for false arrest, wrongful prosecution, or wrongful conviction. In fact, it may be this lack of accountability for the government which kind of emboldened at least Gregory Michaels, who had been a uh, police officer in the past, from thinking that you know he could get away with this kind of thing because you know he had worked in a system that did not hold him accountable for his actions for so long. So we've got a, a situation that again bears no resemblance to what we would expect in the kind of stateless society that at least Murray Rothbard described in For a New Liberty. He did not describe a society where protection of property was simply provided at random by passers-by on the street. No, and neither would individuals take it upon themselves in most cases to provide their own protection. Just like we don't make our own shoes, grow our own food, drill our own oil, we would most likely outsource those services for security to professionals. And we would have well-defined agreements with those professional firms to provide those services. We wouldn't just be 
depending on some random neighbor to rush to the rescue, nor would we want someone to be doing that and interfering in our affairs when they don't have all the facts and hadn't been asked to do so in the first place. I mean, that's actually what the state does is run in and interfere in the disputes of people that may not even be having a dispute in the first place. And if there is a a alleged crime, often it either doesn't get solved and the percentage for nonviolent crimes being solved is very low. I believe it's down around 17%. I uh, have a link in one of my articles to that statistic and I'll provide it on the show notes page. Um, And then if they they do quote unquote solve the crime, a lot of times they have the wrong person. So the, the key here is there's no market forces acting on the state. So we're getting the same kind of results in what we call law enforcement as we'd get with government schools, with government health care, with government roads. Just as we often argue about health care, that there's nothing magical about it that suddenly makes economic laws no longer apply, well, it's really the same with law enforcement. When you have no market forces working upon the services, you're going to get bad service, you're going to get higher prices. So just to summarize on the Ahmad Arbery case, what would have happened in a stateless society was the same in that, yes, the people who had the wrong person, who wrongfully tried to arrest somebody, were held accountable. I mean, that's what we want in every case. But had he been arrested by a uniformed police officer, I'm not sure that would have happened. Now, where it was not similar to a stateless society was that there was no agreement between the victim of the alleged crimes that Arbery committed, crimes that probably weren't committed in the first place, and the people who were making the arrest. You wouldn't see that in a stateless society because everybody would have an arrangement for protection of their property. And I should bring up that on this point in the Rittenhouse case, Of course, one of the disputes in the trial was whether he was protecting the car dealership at the owner's request. And I understand the facts to be that the owners had actually put out a call to some people to come and help them because they knew the police weren't going to help them. And however this request was put out, Rittenhouse's friend actually received it and asked Rittenhouse to come along with him. Now, I think there was a dispute in that case where the owners then tried to back up and say they never asked anybody to do so, and maybe there was a picture early in the day showing Rittenhouse and his friend with the owners. Now, that was a matter for the jury to consider from a fact-finding perspective. I'm not sure that it was necessary that they believe that in order to acquit Rittenhouse on self-defense grounds or not. But I think we could at least say that there was some fuzziness to the agreement between Rittenhouse and the owners of the property, or at least there may have been. And it was at least a matter of dispute whether Rittenhouse had been asked to provide security on that evening. And again, in a stateless society, we wouldn't expect this. We'd have a much better arrangement. There'd be a well-defined written agreement that completely delineated what Rittenhouse was supposed to do for the owners and what he was not supposed to do. This aspect of the case would not have been in dispute in a stateless society. We would have had the written agreement to refer to, 
and use that to determine whether Rittenhouse had gone beyond the limits that the contract placed on him. So in summary, and to get back to the original question, do these two cases represent what protection of property would look like in a stateless society? I'd say the answer is yes, only in uh, the part of the Arbery case that everybody considers favorable, and that is that the perpetrators of a wrongful arrest were held accountable. That's actually atypical in our government society today because the arrests are usually made by law enforcement officers that, at least at present, are protected by qualified immunity. And even if we got rid of that, it certainly would not completely solve the accountability problem we have with state actors. And as far as all other aspects of both cases go, let's just not forget that they all happened under a government and uh, the attempted citizen's arrest by the Michaels was perfectly legal by Georgia law. What Kyle Rittenhouse did was perfectly legal by law. So this all happened with a government, but in a stateless society, none of these incidents would have happened in the first place. First, you would not have the security firm that was contracted to protect the car dealership's property stand down as the police did in Kenosha, Wisconsin. There would have been no reason for a 17-year-old, even a atypical 17-year-old like Kyle Rittenhouse, to ever take it upon himself to go and provide that security. Neither would you have had the situation with the Michaels trying to make some kind of citizen's arrest of Ahmad Arbery. That would have been the job of the contracted professional firms of the victims of the alleged crimes if they had been committed. It wouldn't have been any of the Michaels' business, and there would be no question of providing some service to the public that the government police were not providing. So I don't know if I've covered every aspect of these, but I wanted to just share a few thoughts on a question that I assume must have occurred to many people who think about what a stateless society might look like. Okay, friends, that's going to do it for today. Don't forget to get a free copy of my new ebook, An Anti-State Christmas, at antistatechristmas.com. Of course, if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you normally listen. And please do go to the Tom Mullen Talks Freedom website at tommullentalksfreedom.com and leave a review. And if you like the music you've heard on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can hear more at TomMullenSings.com. Thanks for listening. The war of ideas has only just begun. Arm yourself with the knowledge you need by heading to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com and subscribing to our email list. And remember, every revolution starts in the minds of the people.